This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. This week, we're looking at different kinds of studios that you may need if you're a beginner, if you're kind of mid-range, I guess, or a pro. Um, we've all got our ideas of what works, so um, let's do a bit of a roundtable and find out what our panel thinks. I'll start with the beginner. Well, if, if you want to get a beginner package out of the way, this is one that I find is, you know, there's a million ways to go, right, when you're starting out. AI1 um, NTG4. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could just outfit your studio with some really affordable um, gear from a couple different companies. Um, and we are sponsored by Rode. So I'll start with the Rode package. And that certainly could be like a Rode NT1 or a Rode NTG4. Rode NT1 uh, is a little bit flatter, honest sounding mic, if you're going to say, if you could call it that. Um, whereas the NTG4 has a little bit more color, possibly directionality, or maybe a lot more. So it's a little more forgiving when your home studio is less than quiet, less than perfect. Like my refrigerator is right across the room from me. And I can use the NTG4 like I am right now and get tolerably low noise Floor. So the NTG4 is a nice mic to use, um, or the Rode NT1. Um, Audio Technica makes the 2035, also a very affordable, good sounding, serviceable condenser mic for sure. Billy Irish then, uses the uh, 2020, right? Yeah, I like. I think the 2035 has enough upgrades to the design to make it worthy the extra cost. Like a 2020 is 100 bucks. The 2035 is 150. I've, I've a got a 2040. Mount. I actually have a 20 or a, is it a 4040? Probably a 4040. That's 300 US. Yeah, that's, that's pretty roughly. nice mic, actually. Also really nice. Yeah, they just, they go up in noise floor specs. Like the noise floor gets better as you go up in price, for sure. Um, recently, the 2020 got a lot of press when uh, they released an article about uh, Billie Eilish's production flow and that they they basically used the 2020 on a few of their early hits. Yeah, I, th- I think they switched to a Neumann after that. Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, trust me, I'm yeah. hearing the, new, the latest cuts and going, that's not the 2020. Yeah. It's, you know, but, you know, you can get away with a pretty affordable mic. And then interface-wise, we've been trying, and I'm using now the Rode NT, um, I'm sorry, the Rode AI1 with great success. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, just so there's some, you know, other brands thrown in the mix, I've mentioned before, I love the Steinberg UR12. Both very, very affordable interfaces um, in the $100 range, and uh, either will do you, do you well. And then software-wise, you know, Audacity, if you really got to use free software, Audacity is probably the best free program. It's on Mac and Windows, and if you're on Mac, Twisted Wave absolutely it trumps everything else. Out there, I think, in terms of learning curve, simplicity, quality of of tools, um, and that's a pretty nice starting point. Throw in a good pair of headphones, you know, under $100, like the Audio-Technica 20, uh, ATH 20s, 30s, 40s. I mean, all of, even the 20s, the cheapest ones, sound pretty darn good. So um, that gets you a nice starter package, and then you just need to find a really quiet place to record in your your house. And drape the place with blankets. <laughs> Get rid yeah. of all the echo. Perfect. I'd actually go along with that. I'd probably maybe even go for the NTG5 mm-hmm. because I, I really like it. And there's still only, I think in America, was it three? 500 US. Is it 500 US? Yeah. It's a okay, little spendy in the US. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the AI1, 
I, I really like that. It's got great uh, headphone app. Um, and I probably, if I was beginning, I probably wouldn't go for um, over the ears. I'd probably go in-ears, only so you can get more of an accurate picture of what you've recorded or what you are recording. And then, um, like you've done, if you could afford it, get the tri-booth, but if you can't, just get some uh, blankets and stuff and make yourself a little blanket fort. Make yourself a wee hutty. Indeed. Like it. A teepee. So a teepee. I would I would throw out the Shure X2U or some mm-hmm. equivalent. Um, I especially like the interfaces that include the ability to um, blend the direct microphone with the output, so you can kind of get your own monitor. Blend. Yeah, the monitor mix control is, yeah. is handy. That it has. That is something I miss on the AI one, to be honest. Um, and they're they're just like the size of your fist, the a, the uh, Shures. So those those make they're a hundred dollars, do the trick very well. They're respectable enough preamp. From a microphone point of view, just to throw something new out there, you know, I mean, there, there's so many hundred dollar mics out there. But I would conjecture that any one of the middle reputable, like you know, Marshall, even Samsung. Um, you know, the bottom end of Audio-Technica, those are all going to basically provide a similar sound. So things like the Marshall 990 or the, what is it, the 1006? AKA MXL. Yeah, that's MXL, right, Marshall. Yeah, sorry. And then really just whatever headphones that you're comfortable with, but I I would think if you're starting out, you're doing remote connections, that's the only time where, uh, you know, maybe just the little earbuds because they isolate so well. You don't have to worry as much about getting specifically closed back headphones, you know, earphones that are solid. And those little earbuds, they isolate great. So there's, you know, those are like, you pick up a decent pair of those for 30 bucks and they actually sound pretty good. Something from like Skull Candy or something. That yeah, would, you're not using these. Keep in mind, you're not using these to do like mix a gold record or make detailed engineering decisions. These are just providing you something reasonably accurate that you can hear what you're recording and playing back so that you can you know clean up your file before you send it and then regarding software i'm it's not officially free but you know um reaper i think is amazingly powerful for the price and if you pay full retail as a user it's like forty dollars and it's probably the best bang for the buck daw out there um you could grow with it for a hundred years and still not find all the features in it yeah that's for sure um, but do you need all those features if you're just not really? Off? No, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm thinking Twisted Wave is a better option. Yeah, Twisted Wave is much easier. Um, yeah, that's very true. I, I you, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not quite. It's it's like a it's like just a hard editor compared to something that lets you really manipulate the edits and do crossfades like really accurately. Um, so they they are they are very different in a sense. But if raw recording is the goal and basic editing is the goal, then yes. Those they both do it in twisted way with much much simpler interface, um, but the whole package should be like less than two hundred and fifty dollars. You should be able to get set up as something that is pretty much going to actually generate professional results, especially if you put it in a decent room, not like I am in now. the The other thing to watch out for is maybe um, trying to make sure that you get an audio interface that is compatible with both. If you're an iPhone user, something that can be used on iOS and Mac OS, or on the Windows side, if it has, um, or I'm sorry, on the Android side, if it has an Android driver, um, these days that might be very useful, especially if you just need to pop out a quick audition or something. So, um, but I was going to say, actually, we were talking about the NT1 and the AI1. You can get the kit, 
that is a good way way to start because you get a shock mount, you get a lead, you get a pop guard, you get the mic, you get the interface, all in one box. And how much are those kits? Well, the kit here yeah. in Australia is three hundred and fifty bucks, roughly. Okay. I'm thinking in the US it's going to be probably two fifty. No, it might be yeah. less actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A dollar. Yeah. And that, and that yeah, has everything two. but the headphones, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you throw a thirty dollar pair of headphones on it, and you got some. You're set. How about you, Robo? I think you guys have pretty much nailed everything I was going to throw out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd go along with that. I mean, I I've just set up a um, I've just set up a voice booth. Uh, under the stairs for my wife to use and she's just running the AI1 and uh, the NTG4 and into Twisted Wave. So, and it's working perfectly and just a, a cheap pair of headphones that we bought two Christmases ago or well, she bought two Christmases ago to Sennheiser headphones to wear on the plane on the way over to Fiji. So it's working perfectly. Excellent. Okay, so now we're talking about uh, mid-range, so we're going up a notch. Um, George, do you want to kick off on that one? Yeah, middle uh, mid-range is such a muddled area, right? Um, yes, let's it just, is. Let's, let's set a parameter. Let's say mid-range is mic interface and... Um, let's say $3,000 expenditure, put it that way. Okay, okay. mic interface and studio, like yep. acoustic yep. space. Three grand all up, set up a Under studio. Under three grand. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely throw in a plug for the Tri-Booth product in that price range. If you've got a quiet space but you just, and you, and you want to set up something quickly and have an acoustical space to record in, that sounds very neutral and, uh, you know, that's something that you can count on and even possibly take with you if you need to. Um, for around 1500 US, you've got the tri-booth and all of the accessories there, therein, like the mic mount and the copy holder and all that stuff. So that takes care of a lot of a little pieces in one package. And that leaves you another thousand for gear. And I'm not going to also rule out that you should spend a little bit of money on consulting. I'm going <laughs> to toot my own horn. <laughs> toot, toot. But if you buy all this stuff and don't know what the hell you're doing with it, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. So um, so like, let's say you spent $1,500 on like a tri-booth, or maybe you spent $1,500 on really cool acoustic panels and decked out your room. That's a big, really big part of it. Then, then you need a quality microphone, obviously. Um, if you're stepping it up, the, certainly the Rode NTG5 is a great place to start at the $500 ballpark. Um, and then you can go uh, certainly to the Neumann level with the TLM 102. Those are really quality products that are going to you know, be pretty much a guaranteed success <laughs> for most people, I think, with the properly set up space. And um, interface-wise, this is where it gets interesting because you can spend a lot more money on interfaces than than the $100, $150 devices we've already mentioned with no real necessary noticeable quality improvement because the preamps, the preamps and all these interfaces are arguably pretty similar. They're just very accurate, very low noise preamps. As you pay more money, typically you might get a little bit more gain, sometimes even a lot more gain. Um, so you can maybe use mics that are less sensitive. But you're really paying when you get when you get down to it a lot for for you're really paying for more features. 
And there seems to be a big divide between like the $100 thing and what's really the next step in terms of interfaces. And it seems to really jump dramatically. There's really not much dramatically better until you spend six, I think at least 600 bucks. And that's going to be like the uh, Apogee duet. Well, well, I would say that you first get into the more money, but usually they they first start adding more channels, which no one needs. Like yeah, Fortune. more money, but it just it doesn't buy you more quality. It buys you more features, more channels, more bells and whistles on like exactly like Robert said. So like like for example, the two i two is one hundred fifty dollars. The eighteen i six, or I think they even have an eighteen i twenty, is maybe five or six hundred dollars. And it just has a ton more inputs and outputs. And then Behringer recently released a single rack space, eight channel, eight microphone preamp box for two hundred and fifty bucks. Right. Yeah. With with Midas right. preamps, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. They've always had very affordable <laughs> yeah. preamps. So yeah, so exactly. So you pay more, but you get more inputs. You get more features. The only thing that really seems to me to upset that price per performance metric would maybe maybe be the Audient ID4. It's around 200 US, and it is definitely a better quality AD converter preamp than maybe the the more lowly interfaces. But man, I'll tell you, that's all in theory. In real world practice, I don't think you're going to hear a freaking difference <laughs> between the ID4 and the the cheaper stuff. But when you go way up in the price range, okay, you know little bit more gain, a little bit higher quality converters, and then you start stepping into another class completely when you look at things like the Apollo and anything that allows emulating and processing of your signal while you're recording real time. And that's a whole nother ball of wax. So you look at all that, and then you say, well, what's left now? Well, maybe maybe you got 500 bucks left. Um and that should be really be spent on getting it all set up right, whether it's me or somebody else. Make sure that when you get these more sophisticated pieces of kit, especially the Apollo, but if you get the the RME Babyface, which is fantastic interface, certainly all these, a lot of these all have a learning curve to them. So get somebody to help you get them dialed in and set up and make sure you really understand the tools that you have so you don't waste a lot of time. And um, software-wise... Twisted Wave is certainly pro at any level for a voice actor. Some people really like the additional tools available in something like Adobe Audition. Um, Reaper, for sure, is like you can't possibly have more features for the money. So that's obviously a no a no brainer for someone that is uh, Windows or Windows or Mac. Um, yeah, that's the cool thing about that. Let's say you start Windows but end up going Mac, your Reaper goes with you. So um, yeah, that's my uh, that's my blab blathering on about that topic. What, what's the budget? Is it three grand? Three. This is the three under three thousand. Yeah. So I got I got mine. Okay, let's let's hear yours. Uh, well, I'd go for me. I'd go the TLM one hundred and three, and then around a thousand. Uh, yeah, that's well, that's twelve hundred dollars here in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then yep. uh, when I was building the booth next door for my wife that I talked about in the cheap side of things, I had listened to a preamp at my local studio store, and it was called the Golden Age Project mm-hmm. Pro 73. Yeah, it's a Neve yeah, 73. Rip. Yeah, which I yep. really, really liked. What are those, um, like 250? It was 600, yeah. it was 600, 600 bucks. Yeah. But, um, 300 stateside. 
Yeah, right. Well, it was 600 here. I Look, I didn't buy it because, to be fair, it was sort of out of the budget of what I was doing at the time. And, and it was about the same time the AR1 turned up, so that went in. But um, I, I, I really liked it. So I, I would go with that for 600 bucks. And then that's only $1,800. And I would agree with what you said, George, is in terms of spending money with someone who's going to help you set all that up nicely. And yeah, I mean, as for software, I think at any level, it comes down to what you really want to do. If you just want to record your voice and send it off to the studio, then there's nothing wrong with Twisted Wave. Um, If you want to start manipulating it, then yeah, I guess you start talking Pro Tools or whatever. But So the rest of the money goes to maybe the acoustics. Well, yeah, sorry, uh, and that was going to be the last thing. Yeah, then the, then the rest of that budget would go on, on, on someone helping you set up and your acoustics and, and all the rest of it that you need to take care of and, and obviously a, a decent pair of headphones. Mm-hmm. Do you guys see speakers as necessary at no. this level? For me, I don't. I mean, what, what are we talking about I here really in the mid-level? Don't. We're talking about something that's very professional but still only focused on voiceover as the... Is the yeah, goal. Yeah, and yeah. um and when we're talking about software, we're only really focusing on the recording end of it. There's obviously like, you know, you start going into isotope and source connect and everything else. Right. So Plugins. My my honest opinion is that um at this price point, there's a, there's a few things that you can choose to focus on or not. Um, and it depends on where your biggest problems are that you're trying to solve. So if right. noise is your biggest problem. You actually might be best off with a two hundred dollar fifty setup and a whisper room, and put that money right. all into whisper the whisper room because <laughs> that will get you the most yeah. professional result, even with that MXL microphone and the hundred dollar interface. Like you That's know, true. put the money where it counts. If if I was going to say that, but if it's purely about gear and things that need power, um, the biggest choice in this area is: do I go with? Some interface that has a built-in preamp that I'm okay with. Do I get a real external preamp, or do I completely complicate my life with an Apollo, which probably has like somewhere between the Apollos and the Antelopes and the um, Apogees, maybe the Audient, but pretty much the Apollo Apogee Antelope. Those are the interfaces that seem to have the most serious built-in preamps on them. I don't, George. I don't know if you'd agree. Um, yeah, RME too. Yes, RME's got good, good preamps built in there. So, so you're you're starting to look at a pre uh, interface where you want to kind of tie yourself to the preamp, or maybe you just want to say, okay, all these companies are mainly just buying off the shelf converters, meaning that the converter in the Scarlet is probably almost just as good as the converter in the Babyface or something. They're usually using AKM chips, and so. If the preamp is the defining factor, get yourself an external preamp, and that way you're not tied to this interface for life, and you can get different flavors or shop around and find the preamp that works for you. Maybe it's a Golden Age 1073. Maybe eventually it's like a John Hardy, something that's just absolutely undeniably, you know, one of the preamps out there. So, you know, a good preamp set you back easily $500 to $1,000 if you're talking about a serious preamp. And I think that would make a bigger difference than getting an interface that has inevitably a billion features that you don't need and a better preamp. But it's not a external badass preamp necessarily. And then the f- how about Bur- when you hear the term Burr Brown? Mm-hmm. I have a Tascam UH7000 mm-hmm. that brags to have Burr Brown 
Yeah, a lot of preamps uh, use these. So chips. So that's like Texas Instruments mic preamp chip usually, or also their line drivers. And uh, yeah, I even even some like really snotty high end um, preamps like uh, the SciTech. Um, I think it's MPX four A. It's a four channel good mic preamp. Like that's that's probably a nine hundred dollar piece right there. And one of the upgrade options is Burr Brown chips in there. Or I've also got a Studio Projects 8-channel mic preamp that sounds great. And what does it have in it? It's got Burr Browns. So, um, yeah. Because a lot of these, at this level, a lot of the preamps are just on a chip. Maybe... Yeah, it's the same chip over and over and over. A lot of the times... Many different Yeah, and it is different how they decide to implement it. Everyone has their own magic and whatever... You know, but yeah. they are very much using the same chips, and that is especially true with the converters. Um, so don't be fooled. Like sometimes that you're getting something better when everyone's still shopping at the same super supermarket. And you know. <laughs> right. um, but then the last thing is the microphone, um, and I think really I think with a microphone, my opinion is hang out with the hundred dollar mic, find one that works well enough, and then just skip straight to the. 416, 414, U87, 103, something in that range. Because a lot of what happens with the microphones is that sometimes people are just name shopping. And um, so if you have a mic that is excellent but isn't a name, it doesn't get you some of the benefits that being able to say, hey, on my website, here's my gear. And this 416, it's like, boom, I have the mic. There's no question about it. So is it better to spend $800 on a 416 or $600 in some other slightly less known mic? Yeah, we covered that on another show. I, I was skeptical that that mattered. Um, but I, you, you guys said in different ways that that will possibly influence bookings, uh, you know, when you've got these industry-respected pieces of kit in your system. For sure, and and I and I'm I'm the first one to say that clients maybe don't know and don't care, but if that is something, then consider those middle ground mics that haven't achieved some sort of iconic status as a little bit. You're paying for that name, and if you can market and improve your yeah. business based on that name, then definitely go for it. Interesting. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I can name a ton of five hundred dollar mics that I like, but I never considered that factor. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I would probably go with a uh, shotgun if you're in the mid-range because your environment's probably not going to be perfect. Um, I mean, the the, uh, the removal blankets have uh, proven themselves with the tri-booth, so that's obviously a goer to uh, I'd get some kind of uh, control of the environment. Um, I would definitely invest in a preamp, as Robert said, and, I, and for the money... Um, I would buy a Grace M101. How much are those? Under a thousand, eight, seven, eight hundred range. I think. So they're yeah, like in the same price range as like a John Hardy single channel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and then of course the sound card, which I we've discussed, would be um, an RME, which I use here anyway. So. You know what? Since you brought it up, I hate that you can't find. A simple, high-quality AD converter that plugs into your computer with USB that doesn't have freaking preamps in it. Uh, Apogee like, Mini-Me. Actually, that has preamps in it. They, they, most of them do. Now, some don't. Some have switchable inputs, but most of them, when you put it in quote-unquote line input, all it's doing is inserting a pad. Right. And preamp. you're still going through the damn preamp. So... Mm -hmm. 
in my experience, you got to go up to the Apogee Duet or the Apollo or the RMEs to get pr- proper line in. So you're spending seven, eight, hundred bucks to not use the damn thing and just use the bypass the preamp. It sounds crazy. There's to me. no interface in the low end that that has a good just here's a converter going in. There used to be. There used to be the company called Echo, and they made these fire faces. Um, they were just fire wire in and out. Um, and I used to love their Echo Audio Fire too. It was FireWire line in, line out, TRS. That was it. And a headphone. What about jack. like a Dante? I bet Dante makes like a little Ethernet. That would even be awesome. A little thing that just is line Plugs in, line out, and router. Ethernet. You know? Yeah, that would be super cool because now you've got an interface that appears anywhere in your your entire studio. Yeah, you have to buy the Dante driver, which is like 30 bucks, and then it can go onto any any computer right. in your whole studio. So th- th- I would love to experiment with that stuff. But anyway, it's it's a sidebar rant. Sorry, uh, Andrew. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think one interface company that we haven't talked about that makes good interfaces is Motu. Motu actually makes some very good right. stuff with DSP built in, a very actually comprehensive yeah. system. They have not done a great job of marketing themselves at all, and... Um, They've released a new line recently. It's got some cool bells and whistles like loop back. And uh, I think they deserve some attention. I've dabbled with their stuff over the years. They've always missed out on something I needed that made me you know, like not like them. I, I actually think they have some very compelling stuff, especially if you um, you look at their WebRTC, or not WebRTC, sorry. Um, I, now it slips my mind, the acronym. But basically, it's like Dante. The problem is you have to get a expensive router and here's where I check out I'll talk to you guys <laughs> sorry good luck see you on the other side Robert and he's off into the into the abyss support yeah um, back to uh, <laughs> back to the, the, the shotgun and I'm just to save some money because we did um, obviously Source Connect because Robert's involved um, but I reckon that's probably a good investment to have Source Connect just Source Connect standard on your machine yeah, that three thousand dollar range. Like you're probably getting to this point where you should have Source Connect available. Um, you're probably starting to really do work from home. You know, not just do auditions. And um, that's when Source Connect and you know tools like it become clearly start to show their worth in terms of bookings. What you know, what kind of work you can access. Um, and what you're, you know, maybe by this point, maybe by now you've got an agent and maybe that agent requires you to have it. So yeah, that's a good now, question. It's a question for you, George, cause you're involved with the tribe booth. So because we haven't got them in Australia, in fact, uh, anywhere outside of North America, what would you advise someone to do if they can't get a tribe booth? So as I alluded to earlier, what a tribe booth is, if you haven't seen one already, you can go to tribooth.com, T-R-I booth. You'll notice it looks eerily similar to a tent made out of moving blankets because that's what it is. <laughs> it's just an incredibly nuanced, well-thought-over design. But this is not something that is exclusive in terms of making one for yourself. Anybody can make one of these. It may not have the exact design and shape as ours, and it may not be as easy to transport as ours, but it will have a similar result. And that is creating an enclosure and lining it with um, moving packing blankets. Packing blankets are really good at absorbing a lot of sound and echo. Um, Sometimes you have to use more than one layer. My echo just said hello. Yes. That was my Amazon (laughs) echo, sorry. Maybe you should name my echo something other than echo. 
Yeah, good idea. Mm, good idea. Um, <laughs> when you're consulting on acoustics, you say that word a few times a day. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you get rid of that reverb with the with layers of blankets, blankets are so incredibly affordable, and you can cover a large area very quickly. Do they look nice? Yeah, not particularly. Not all that sexy, and spousal approval scale is not that high. But um, they are darn effective. If you have this, say you have a hundred bucks to spend, you'll go way further with sound blankets, moving blankets, whatever you call them, ferny pads, as we say in Hollywood, than you would with, say, acoustic foam. You're going to get way more bang for your buck uh, out of sound blankets. So, yeah, just want to kill off all the reflective surfaces around you from above and around surrounding you. Um, the floor is not as quite as important, but the, certainly the ceiling and the your surroundings are is very important. So that's a that's a good way to to, to emulate what the tri booth does. Yeah. So we're basically saying we can make a, a really good space out of moving blankets. I'm saying get Source Connect. Um, we talked about the vanity of having a four one six, but I'd probably. I buy the NTG five and then use the yeah. balance of the cash to buy Source Connect. Um, right, right. The Grace M one hundred and one because it's just a fantastic preamp. There's no question about that. It's sure super is. clean. And uh, and just working on the sound card, how you get that into um, the Grace into your computer. Yeah, when you're um, a PC, you have a few more options in terms of having like an actual internal card. One one thought is like you can get the uh, like what what's the cheapest sound card that just has a digital in and out, and then you can go buy a snotty A to D and plug it in. Yeah, there are some uh, there are a few oddball interfaces out there with like yep. optical in and out. And um, cool thing about optical is they I le- it's electrically isolating your computer from your I mean, studio, so. That reduces noise, ground home loops, and all kinds of stuff. So that's another way to surprisingly lower your noise floor. Here's something I love, which is a slightly dated setup, but was great and still is great. But um, back in the day, Apogee made the AD1000, which had a millennia preamp in it. Yeah, even though they couldn't say it officially. Oh, okay. No, nice. And uh, yeah. had you know an Apogee converter. Really, I mean, just fabulous piece. Good analog yeah. front end with a good converter, and it's yeah. just a converter, and it had optical in and out. And then you've got your Max that had on the laptops optical built in. Oh, back in the day, they most of them did. Yeah, the Mac Minis had optical in and out. Yeah. Optical in and out to the Mac. You just you have an extremely good setup that way, and it's very small. Or not? I mean, still like a third of a rack space box for the Apogee, which amazingly weighs as much as they could make a third of a rack, rack space box weigh. Well, as long as we've gone on about the medium one, I can't imagine how much time we could invest <laughs> talking about the high end studio. Well, we could either <laughs> save that for another show, or yeah, that may have to be a teaser for the next episode. Yeah, I think so. I, I think holy so. cow, we could do a whole show about nothing but budget. Relatively unlimited, you know, well, the dream you know, home studio. I'm so, imagining yeah. a controversy right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I reckon we should talk about the dream one next week. Okay, done. I think that sounds like a capital idea. This show was mixed by Voodoo Sound, edited by Andrew Peters, using Source Connect Now and Rode microphones, with technical support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe and like us. You're not for